This is the Roaring Elephant podcast for the 26th of April 2016, a podcast about Apache Hadoop and the surrounding ecosystem for anybody working with or investigating big data. My name is Jon, and here as always is my co-host Dave. Hi Dave. Hello Jon, and uh, for those listeners out there, um, unfortunately Jon is not feeling very good, so we apologize for coughs, sneezes, and other plague, plague monkey-type noises that may come through the podcast. Yeah, I'll do my utmost to cut it all out, but if one stays in there, my apologies. No worries. So, apart from feeling uh, feeling a little bit uh, under the weather, how have you been the last couple of weeks, Jan? Oh, well, I see you're reversing the order that we had uh, agreed upon in the show uh, preparation, but that's fine. Just keeping you on your toes. Yeah, me sick and then keeping you on my toes as well. Thank you for that. Uh, last couple of weeks, well, of course, last week was the Hadoop Summit. That's uh, the subject of the whole podcast today, so we're going to be talking about much about that. I'm not going to add too much here, but of course, that took up uh, well, pretty much a whole week for me, preparing for it. We did some additional training for uh, for the company the day before, and then, of course, the days of the summit itself. And the Friday, spending all day getting back home, which is a lot of fun. Apart from that, I've been occupied actually rebuilding our podcast recording, well, call it the studio if you like, for the equipment. And uh, I'm going to talk a bit more about that in the customer questions, because we did have some questions about that while we were talk- walking around in the summit. And I'll go in more depth there. Apart from that, I haven't really done much on Hadoop itself, because... As some of our listeners might know, I'm kind of winding down my last days, not at the podcast, no no panic, but at my current employer, and I'm starting a new job next month. So as you would expect, these last few weeks, uh, things are winding down pretty much. And you, Dave, what have you been doing? Yeah, and just, just to reiterate, Jan is not leaving the podcast. The podcast continues strong. Uh, we're just going to be... Uh, each of us at different employers, which, you know, I think will also be a good thing. Yeah, I think it's going to broaden our view, so that's always good. Indeed. Um, so, last couple of weeks, you know, as Jan mentioned, Summit, it's all been focused around Summit, very, very key. Um, you know, we had a really good Summit, we're going to, you know, cover it a little bit. This is our Hadoop Summit retrospective episode, where we're just going to cover a bit broader than we did on the daily things, where we focused on maybe one or two pieces and uh, just give an overall feel and some of the other things that uh, cropped up during summit as well. Um, really, the uh, other things I wanted to talk about were the fact that uh, this last couple of weeks, lots and lots of meetings, um, lots of planning for um, some fairly large sessions that are coming up, some fairly large workshops. And my first kind of uh, set of slightly more in-depth conversations around Apache Metron. Uh, so Apache Metron, a cybersecurity um, framework or cybersecurity set of applications um, built on top of Hadoop. Um, you know, very recently went tech preview. Um, and, you know, there's uh, some articles floating out there that we maybe link to as to how you can get hold of Metron, download it, build it, and start to have a look at it. Um I think it's going to be it's going to be quite interesting, uh, and I'm I'm looking forward to getting into that in a bit more depth because kind of cybersecurity is something I've been doing on and off, um, you know, previously previous careers, so uh, I've got a bit of background there as well. So yeah, looking forward to that should be should be pretty interesting. Yeah, Metron also is one of the first open source solutions built on top of this whole thing, which uh, somebody could just download and install as a finished product, right? 
That's the idea. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, honestly, we're we're a little we're still a little bit away from that. There's still quite yep. a lot of uh, hacking at the moment to get it all up and running. Um, although there is a, a streamlined, scripted kind of install yep. and setup process. But yeah, it's it's definitely one of these Hadoop-centric uh, solutions from the ground up. Yeah, but as you say, it's a solution. And that's, uh, as far as I know, uh, in the non-commercial world, uh, a, a first. So it's going to be interesting to see how that evolves, matures, gets accepted or not. Indeed, yeah. I, I mean, it will be very curious to see how this uh, how this whole... I mean, Hortonworks coin has uh, is coining the phrase data-driven applications and the things that they're developing on top of it. Um, yeah, Tech Mahindra had, uh, or have indeed, a, a platform that they call uh, TAP, the uh, Tech Mahindra uh, analytics platform, which is you know uh, an entire suite of applications and stuff built on top of Hadoop that they sell, but it's it's a completely uh, uh, you know it's a completely closed uh, proprietary application suite that utilizes Hadoop but sits on top of it and all the code is internal. So yeah, I think I think you're right. I think it probably is the first major open source application on top. And by all means, if we're wrong about that, let us know in the in the comments, give us some feedback. Yeah, definitely. And what most remarkable for me is the fact that it's actually a security application. Because there's still a lot of uh, well let's call them uninformed uh, companies and organizations out there that are actually calling open source less secure because it's open source <laughs> and in the open and stuff like that yeah. now this is particularly a security application built in open source so I I'm kind of happy about the whole thing being like this the whole metron thing coming out like this because it should be able to draw a line in the sand saying no open source here it's a security application is being used all over of course open source is secure yeah. Uh, it, it's it's so funny you should mention that because I had a meeting uh, actually just yesterday afternoon and uh, it was with uh, an organization that was very clearly, um, you know, what I would call a Microsoft shop. You know, they had all the Microsoft technologies. They had lots of other technologies, lots of Oracle and other kind of proprietary uh, stuff there. And, you know, obviously we were there to talk about Apache Hadoop and big data and open source. And, you know, one of the questions from someone that was clearly from that side of the organization was, well, oh, you know, how, how do you deal with security? So, of course, I I sort of responded, well, you know, we have full role-based access control. You can integrate with, uh, you know, with your Active Directory and Kerberos. And, and he was like, no, no, but if it's open source, surely, you know, security uh, vulnerabilities can get introduced into the code. And I was like, oh, right, we're going all the way back to... <laughs> 1984. All the way back to, to, to <laughs> basics, yeah. And, and you know, it, it's fine. I'm, I'm more than happy to have that conversation. Um, but it, it does does just remind me that there are a lot, there are still organizations out there that, that still have that very, very uh, blinkered view of, you know, open source uh, is, 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 you know, bad or less secure because everybody can see the code. And, you know, even Microsoft has very much changed its tune on that, uh, that story with the, the increasing embracing of open source technology. Hey, Microsoft loves Linux. Exactly. They lo- they do love Linux. Uh, it's you know it's all over Azure and uh, you know their their release of SQL Server to to Linux and all kinds of other good stuff they're doing. So yeah, it, it's but it still amuses me that that kind yeah. of oh open source scary. Yeah. I wouldn't put the full blame at the customers or the people we're talking to because a lot of our uh, other vendors in the whole computing industry, if you like, at large, not just limited to big data, yeah. also like spreading this as FUD, right? Uh, you know, fear, uncertainty, right. and doubt make the open source thing suspect and that way they can keep on selling expensive licenses so yeah 
And if you have a good connection with a vendor and you trust them, then, well, yeah, you might just repeat what uh, what you hear there if you don't have a reason or don't Indeed. hear anything else. That's absolutely it. But that's why we're here. Okay, exactly. Educate. Educate and enlighten. Well, I'm not sure about educate, but inform. <laughs> all right. So, yeah, that's, that's all I have for the last couple of weeks. Okay. Well, that's it for the first section then. Uh, after the music, we'll be back and we'll be talking about what we did at the Sadoop Summit. You already heard a couple of uh, short sounds uh, from us last time in the last two uh, impromptu on the same day episodes, which we cut together. I hope you all liked them. And in the next section, we're going to go in a bit more depth. See you soon. And welcome back. So on this episode, we're going to cover a bit more in depth our Hadoop Summit retrospective for the Hadoop Summit in Dublin 2016. Just running through the sessions we attended, um, in, you know, some of them in a bit more depth than we covered on our previous um, special edition podcast we did on the day. Um, others may be um, covering more uh, broader. So we're going to quickly cover pretty much every session we attended um, throughout the uh, the couple of days. Um, I definitely think that the, uh, you know, the couple of things overall about the Hadoop Summit that I really enjoyed... The first of all, the Hadoop Summit application uh, that you could download, I thought was was very well done. Um, there was a, a slightly painful piece uh, where you actually had to put your um, uh, your email address in and, and register, which if, if, you know, I understand exactly why they're doing that. Uh, but you know, it, it would have been nicer if that that piece was optional, um, just to. Uh, you know, give you a bit of a, a better impression and to get it, the thing up and running easier, especially when, you know, maybe at some times during the summit, connectivity was a little bit su- suspect on the Wi-Fi. But overall, I think the the summit application worked really well. The agendas were really well integrated. For the most part, if they were updated. A few sessions did move around. I did notice that perhaps there were there were a few tweaks to the agenda that didn't quite make it to the application in time. But uh, you know, I thought that was really good. Um, Jon, did you did you take uh, much use of the application? Um, yeah, yeah, I used a lot to to just figure out where I had to head because uh, knowing which room was where is always a bit of a search. And I did like the the the, the messages people could uh, send to each other. I know you sent a couple on the the podcast uh, subject right. as well, That's which is right. good. But there was some nice uh, go and throw there. That was good. Uh, a lot of com- comments about the big three D elephant. I still remember the the phrase. He's watching you. <laughs> yeah, I, I have to say, I thought the elephant was uh, both disturbing and hideous. Uh, uh, so still haven't yeah. nightmares about it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it, it was particularly scary, looming out of the screen. On the subject of the email address you had to give in there, I mean, this is a big data conference, right? So, of course, they're going to be mining your email addresses. There's no way around that. I know, I know. <laughs> but I, I just I just wish it, it wouldn't have been so bad if connectivity was completely seamless throughout, but it True. really wasn't. Yeah, sometimes just didn't come up, did it? Yeah, that's right. Anyway, but for, for the most part, yeah, really, really nice. What about you? What other kind of general impressions do you have? Uh, well, the general thing I kind of remembered from it is that 
there was a bit of a, 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 a disjoint between the, the sessions from uh, companies and the Hortonworks sessions, because Hortonworks did seem to have a very big push or emphasis on uh, streaming ingest with NIFI and things like that, and the other people haven't apparently picked up on that. I guess it just uh, demonstrates how young NIFI still is in the whole ecosystem. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, the the uh, Cloudera session, for example, on streaming ingest was very much focused on um, Flume and Kafka yeah. and, and interesting ways to, to hook those together to make it faster. Yeah, Kafka still very pre- predominant. Yeah, yeah, and it was very, uh, very heavily linked to uh, Cloudera's uh, blog post that came out. I want to say about four or five weeks ago. Um, where they they they'd sort of uh, posted some some work they'd done with a customer to get you know a, a million a million messages a second through a a flume kafka infrastructure um so yeah i think it, yeah still if you have to put two tools together to make something work i don't know yeah uh, i'm kind of with you on that i i still i still prefer the nifi approach i think it's smoother cleaner but you know horses for courses yep uh, what else? Uh, one thing I want to mention is that the video sessions are starting to get online. So if you go to the Hadoop Summit uh, webpage and go to the agenda, you should be able to click on more and more sessions and actually see a video replay of the session. And I can really recommend doing that because these sessions are, on general, 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 sorry, uh, very high level, very good quality. Yeah, very good quality. And in fact, I'll I'll talk a little bit later about one session I've only watched uh, online and. Uh, and uh, didn't actually manage to get to it uh, in real life. So, yeah. When do you have the free time for that? Ah, oh, you know, just before <laughs> just before I fall fall asleep. <laughs> yeah, it's just such sleep watching these kind of things would help a yeah, lot. If only, if only, if only that information would sink in that easily. But yeah, so the yeah everything appearing on on YouTube under that uh, particular channel, and we'll put that in the in the show notes so everybody can uh, can get hold of that. So I think not very many people were. Uh, we're aware of that, and I think it's a, it's a really good point that many people probably missed. So hopefully we all uh, get the news out and get uh, get the hits on those videos uh, ramped up. And uh, don't forget that they don't say online forever. Uh, if you start searching for the last year uh, Hadoop Summit, it's very hard to find if you can find them at all. So at a certain point, after a couple of months, half a year, they will disappear. Oh, that's interesting, because there's actually a few sessions that I still watch and still point um, customers to from last year that are still online. Yeah, so the thing is that the main hadoopsummit.org uh, webpage, it's, uh, it, they reuse the, the domain, so all the links get uh, reshuffled. Because I was still looking at, like you, looking at uh, videos from last year, and at a certain point were like, oh shit, where's the agenda gone? Yeah, yeah, it's all about finding the, um, the YouTube um, category channel. I don't know. What yeah, but I don't think Hadoop Summit has a YouTube channel, so you just have to go search for the individual videos there. So they're still out there somewhere. I mean, it's the internet; nothing disappears. Yeah. But uh, it gets a lot less uh, user friendly. <laughs> yeah, that's true enough. And of course, the content also degrades, right? It's not like these things stay valid for the rest of time. This is uh, such a large, quick-moving uh, area. Don't wait too long. Yeah, although, you know, the, some of the sessions have generic stories, generic messages that are m- maybe not quite so tightly technically focused uh, and stay relevant for longer. But yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Those key technical sessions that were, you know, a year is a long time in, in the world of Hadoop. So absolutely. Exactly. And uh, talk about you know, next year. Yeah, let's, let's talk about next year. Munich, off to, off to Germany. 
and uh, and so that should be I actually quite enjoy Munich it's a lovely city and uh, I'm really quite looking forward to it yeah me too still have to figure out if I'm going to drive or fly yeah I I will definitely be be flying yeah you'll be I flying or rowing <laughs> yeah I, I can't I can't see myself driving from the UK to Munich although uh, autobahn mm, interesting no probably not yeah from Holland it's just feasible but it's going to be like a I don't know 10 hour drive or something so we'll yeah. see a whole year yeah. to think about it that's true. That's true. A year to a year to make plans. Anyway, uh, and hopefully you'll see us both uh, both there, and probably rocking very similar uh, bright yellow um, uh, clothing, as that seemed to work out pretty well. Bright yellow jackets with the roaring elephant logo on the back to identify ourselves uh, to our uh, our audience. And we did actually have a couple of people, as I think we mentioned on the the daily review uh, podcast come up to us and say hi so again that was really nice meeting people that uh, were listening to us out there and uh, we look forward to doing a lot more of that next year in munich so general stuff out of the way let's talk about the sessions we've uh, attended uh dave why don't you go first all right so the first session um we attended in fact both of us attended because i was planning to attend one session uh, went to the room that it was scheduled to be at, and it wasn't there. Something else had been slotted into its place that I wasn't terribly interested in. So, so basically you crashed my session. I did indeed crash Jan's session. Um, so the session was, it's not the size of a cluster, it's how you use it, uh, which was uh, Big Fish Games, um, uh, David Darden and Don Smith. And they were really talking about their their, their whole Hadoop journey. Um, they worked very closely uh, with IBM, um, yeah, they had uh, an Ateza Enterprise Data Warehouse. They kind of added on uh, IBM's uh, Big Insights, and they also used Big SQL and probably several other things, also beginning with Big. Um, and uh, you know, really just ran through their their journey, the things that that worked for them, the things that didn't. You know, nice nice session. A little bit high level would have been nice to have for them to have gone into a bit more depth as to. Um, you know some of the things that they'd learned from it. Yeah, but I do think that the guys did have the technical know-how. It's just that they tried to go to a certain target audience at that level. Yeah, yeah. It was. Was it in the business track? I don't recall. I don't think so. Let me check. My I don't have it here. Uh, we have to go yeah. on the website for that. There's always good podcast listening people. They're the host going onto the website to check things. Yeah, uh, I don't. I don't actually think it was. No, it wasn't in the uh, in the in the business track. So. I, I would have expected it to have gone on into a little bit more depth, but it didn't. But it was still an engaging, interesting talk. Yeah, they gave a lot of uh, pointers and tips, things to think about, things to avoid, things they thought were going to happen, which in the end didn't happen, expectations they had, which turned out to be different. They're still very happy with the end result, and they're actually using it in their company as a very important part of the business, as I can as understood. But uh, it's definitely been, as we always say, a journey for them. Yeah, absolutely. And also very nice to hear IBM actually being. Uh, active in this uh, in this business, you don't. I, I personally haven't heard that much about IBM Big Insights, so it's good to hear that uh, they are still active in this uh, in this ecosystem. Yeah, uh, honestly, I maybe it's because of where I am and and the the position I am I'm in and and what I'm doing, but I I have heard uh, you know not great things about uh, it previously. So you're right; it was really nice to hear from a customer that was very very happy with. With, with IBM, with the solutions, with the people, and, you know, very happy with their results. So, yeah, very good. Yeah, IBM being part of the open data platform, 
that's uh, it's a good thing to do. Yeah, indeed. So then, Jan, what about you? Okay, well, after the Big Fish uh, game session, which you crashed, I'm just repeating that, I went to Unified Stream and Batch Processing with Apache Flink uh, by Artisans GmbH and by name of Ufuk Celebi. Sorry if I butchered that. And that was actually a good session. The reason I went there was because Flink kind of came up at the beginning of last year when Spark kind of died out a little bit. Flink started to get some limelight. Uh, then Spark uh, picked up steam again and Flink kind of disappeared again. I heard the occasional question from uh, my contacts, do you know Flink, have you done something with it? But I didn't see it anywhere. So when I saw, I looked at the agenda for the Hadoop Summit and I saw there were a couple of uh, talks about Flink, I was like, hmm, okay, this thing is still alive. I need to know more about this. And I'm very happy I went there. Uh, Ufuk was a great speaker, gave a lot of information. Uh, I learned a lot. Um, I actually found out there's a lot more to learn there, so I really wanted to uh, dig deeper into Flink. But uh, it's really growing as an ecosystem as well. Uh, people usually compare Flink with uh, Spark, and they definitely have some uh, uh, parallels in there. They kind of grew up at the same time, and as I said, the kind of uh, publicity wave favors one, then the other, and again. But in this talk, they were actually comparing it with Storm as a streaming platform. So that was really a different way of looking at it and showing, giving, giving me the idea that Flink actually has quite a large footprint in the Hadoop, a uh, possible footprint in the Hadoop uh, ecosystem. So definitely something to, 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 to dig deeper into. Very, very nice session. Good, good. So what do you got? Okay, so next up for me... Um is uh, Taming the Elephant, uh, which was a session run by a guy named Paul Codding, um, who's from Hortonworks. And so this is a session that I had tried to attend, uh, but it got shuffled, and it got shuffled to a time slot that I just couldn't make. So this is the session that I decided I would watch online, which I uh, watched it at the start of this week. And uh, really, really good session. So, you know, definitely anything that we mention here, and in fact, you know, Go and scan through the the agenda and and take a look at other sessions you're interested in. Hit up that uh, YouTube channel with all the sessions on and and go and consume them. Um, it you know the recordings are pretty high quality, um, and this session in particular was around um, you know tuning Hadoop. Um, the information presented was initially primarily around um, uh, the use of something called Smart Sense which is a, a subscription add-on uh, for HDP and uh, or, uh, included in the, in the support subscription for HDP, the Hortonworks data platform. Um, but really what it moved on to was some of, the, um, some of the rules and some of the things that uh, SmartSense was catching within Hortonworks customers' clusters. So it, it turned into you know, very much a, a generic... Um, performance tuning, things to watch out for, uh, various situations that you don't want to get it yourself into, th- things to be aware of when your cluster scales from you know one size to another. Um, you know, really, you know, detailed. You know, look out for these particular settings. Really nice session, quite an interactive session as well. You know, Paul would kind of pause at various points. 
um, through uh, and as as the audience were asking questions about individual kind of tuning parameters. And it was also really clear that there were some incredibly smart folks in the audience who were kind of picking up on some things and you know asking questions and really good exchange between Paul and the audience there. So yeah, really good session. Really enjoyed it, uh, even though I wasn't able to attend it uh, in real life. Yeah, we mentioned that in our episode 10 when we prepared for the Hadoop Summit that sometimes the questions people ask you in these summits are as valuable as what the speaker's actually talking about. Yeah. Uh, and good yeah. to hear there was a generic session about problems and uh, things that can go wrong. I was When I read the agenda, I kind of feared that this was going to be a more marketing uh, ploy from Hortonworks about one of their offerings, but uh, good to hear that it didn't go that path. Yeah, yeah, no, it was a good session. Um, so the next session, I, actually, I want to give a shout out to. I haven't had a chance to catch up with it yet. I do intend to watch it on YouTube. But uh, Venkatesh, who we interviewed on a previous uh, episode of the Roaring Elephant podcast, um, he delivered his session about uh, becoming an Apache uh, project contributor. He's uh, now contributing to the uh, the Apache NiFi project. Um, so Venkatesh from Teradata. I didn't manage to see his session and I haven't watched it on YouTube yet, but I did receive feedback from a couple of people that had gone to see it who said it was very good, entertaining, educational, and uh, everything in between. So by all by all accounts, a good session, and I'm looking forward to catching up with it. Well done, Venkatesh. Yeah, good to say that you heard uh, good feedback because I had uh, the same uh, experience. People came up as well that told me that that was a good session. Excellent. Good stuff. Um. So the next session um, that I was going to talk about was uh, on-demand HDP clusters using Cloudbreak and Ambari from Symantec. Um, so uh, again, apologies for the butchery. So Karthik and uh, Narinda uh, presented this from Symantec. Um, it was I really enjoyed this session um, mainly because it took it, it sort of took them through uh, or took the audience through their journey. And they had a, a particular need and requirement to spin up uh, multiple smaller um, Hadoop clusters in uh, in sort of cloud environments, not necessarily, um, although that, that is kind of uh, where they started up, but also in, in sort of local cloud environments, so things like OpenStack. Um, and, you know, they started off... Um, using uh, spinning stuff up against OpenStack and they were um, you know basically they built their own orchestration framework to, to do that um, part of it using uh, Ambari part of it not uh, and the you know they got it all working and they were using it for some time and then essentially their OpenStack cloud um, basically outgrew their available data center space um, so they had to do had to do something different for these transient clusters that they were building for specific users and specific time-limited workloads. Um, so they, they ended up uh, looking at CloudBreak, um, and uh, they actually worked with uh, the CloudBreak engineering team, um, the, you know, the CloudBreak committers, to actually work some functionality into that to support uh, what they needed. So they, they worked to include... Uh, Keystone uh, version 3 support uh, and a few other bits and pieces in there and in fact they're continuing to work and continuing to enhance the product so not just uh, someone consuming but an organization actually contributing upstream which is what uh, I think everybody should strive towards 
Um, so they're now making kind of heavy use of that, spinning up clouds. Um, and I think they, uh, I, met, I asked them some questions towards the end, and I think there's you know somewhere between 30 to 50 individual clusters at any given time with you know various uh, various lifetimes or life cycles. So you know some good good questions from the audience during that session. Uh, really enjoyed it. Really interested in it. And uh, you know, being focused on on the slightly more focused on the infrastructure side of things, I I, uh, I thought it was a, a great session, and I uh, recommend anybody looking to uh, use Cloudbreak or want to understand why you should use Cloudbreak. That to me was a good session to understand that. Yeah, I was in that session myself, and at first, when I was the first couple of uh, I don't know ten minutes or so, they were talking about uh, the old stuff, the stuff they built themselves, which then eventually replaced by Cloudbreak, and I was yeah. very much afraid that that was going to be the whole session about the old stuff. <laughs> but in retrospective, it was good that they did that because it really showed them why something like Cloudbreak is a could be a better approach to to this uh, problem. And one other thing I think is now, as you mentioned that. Um, kind of curious on your perspective on this, but often a lot of people get caught up in, I guess, what I would call technical debt. You know, they build something themselves and then, you know, almost can't bear to throw it away. And I thought it was good that the Symantec team there had actually said, you know, yes, we could continue to develop this, but it's not really our core. It's not what our business is about. There is a product out there that we can probably enhance. And then, you know, once we've enhanced it, that will continue to be supported by the vendor behind it. It's all too easy for people to stay kind of, well, I built this, so I'm going to carry on yep. building it. Is that what you see as well? Yeah, the, the not built here syndrome is very present everywhere in the IT industry. People yeah. are proud of what they built, and even if it's not working as it should be, it's their baby, and it's always hard to to, to, to say goodbye to it. So it's a brave decision to do. And, of course, well, Cloudbreak was out there for them to use, so... There was a somewhat easier way of going that part, but definitely it's, uh, it takes guts to do that because it's, it's kind of throwing away years, maybe months, maybe years of uh, effort in the hopes for something better. And if it doesn't yeah. turn, turn out to work the way you expect it to, it could be more egg on your face. So um, no, no, kudos to them. Yeah, definitely. Okay, what's what's up for you next, Jan? Uh, next session I want to talk about is uh, machine learning and big data. Look forward or be left behind. This was by Redpoint Global Inc. Uh, by name of Mr. Bill Porto, who did a very excellent uh, discussion on machine learning algorithms, how to uh, apply them, when to choose, which uh, algorithm to use. It was very in-depth. The guy really knows his stuff. The way he was talking about it, uh, I mean, he was really used to it. He was clear, gave the details necessary. It was too uh, too deep, too tech deep level for uh, for a podcast, for example, but a really, really good session. And I learned a lot, actually, on how, how to look at these things. And uh, basically, his uh, his fin- uh, finishing thought was that his uh, session was about finding the easy button for machine learning and that, well, today we just don't have it yet. <laughs> yeah. But a uh, very nice person. Very nice, uh, very nice session. Excellent. Yeah, and if anyone does have that easy button, uh, please, <laughs> please. Uh, yeah, please send it across to us. <laughs> Give me two. Great. Um, you next yep so next um, uh, which I think we mentioned on our um, our recap session from day one past present and future of Hadoop at LinkedIn uh, by um, by LinkedIn unsurprisingly and a guy named uh, Carl Steinbach great session really kind of interesting um, 
we we covered it you know on the uh, on the day uh, they're talking about some impressive scale and they you know but they also covered their journey and and understanding of where they came from where they were heading and and all that sort of stuff great session you know if you're interested in seeing how uh, some of the big boys do it i would thoroughly recommend uh, taking a listen at that and then kind of winding up uh, our coverage for uh, day 1 Migrating hundreds of pipelines in Docker containers uh, by Spotify uh, and uh, Noah uh, Rosaire, I think, um, presented that session. Actually started off, he was very clear about this uh, being the final session uh, between uh, the audience and beer and then actually proceeded to open a tin of Guinness on stage (laughs) into the microphone just to make everybody extra, extra thirsty. That's um, just mean. <laughs> yeah, mean, cruel, and hugely, hugely amusing. Great, <laughs> greatly enjoyed that. Um, and yeah, so they uh, it was it was a bit of a, a bit of a history lesson as to you know how they got to where they did, and um, you know I think perhaps a little bit maybe a little bit niche um, just because of the you know the, the real scale of of the way that they're doing things and operating. Um, so I, I think that. Uh, I'm not quite sure how many other organisations, you know, the the scale of what they're going to do is is going to apply to. Um, but you know, if you're looking at um, you know multiple different pipelines used by multiple different organisations or multiple different parts of the organisation, um, and you're doing you know a lot of shuffling around of um, multiple jars where you've got various different things coded into it. Um, that might well be uh, a session worth looking at. Again, I'm not really sure how applicable it's going to be to the uh, the general purpose audience, um, but you know, for those organisations doing things at some real serious scale, um, uh, I think it could be could be pretty interesting. Is this in any way related to the Yarn 2.0 uh, initiative, where they're trying to make uh, Yarn containers complete Docker containers? Is this what they no, kind of built? Or no, not yet. No, it, it's. Um, the Docker containers are run kind of um, very separately to the actual uh, cluster resources themselves. I know it's it's a it's a way of um, providing environments where they can containerize their individual data pipelines. It's the no virtualization virtualization thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. pretty much. But I'm assuming that when the Dockerized yarn comes uh, comes along, that they'll be able to replace what they have today with that, give them more uh, resource flexibility? Or do you think that will not be a good match? Well, I'm not quite sure because, of course, Spotify are also now uh, moving uh, Lockstock across to uh, Google's uh, big data offering. True. So, you know, one of the one of the um, you know, restrictions with that is then you're you're within a particular framework and whether you have the flexibility to make those kind of modifications and changes. I don't know. I don't yet know enough about uh, uh, how much of, of yarn and, and that sort of thing would be exposed in that solution. They didn't talk about the integration with the uh, Google thing, what's it called again, uh, Kubernetes? Uh, no, not yet. Okay. They um, There were a couple of questions around Kubernetes and a few other things. Um, basically, they some of the things that they're doing are very similar to Kubernetes, um, mm-hmm. but they were it was basically developed in parallel with Kubernetes. So, you know, some some things were similar. Some things that you know they wanted very, uh, a more um, a tailored, I guess, approach that was uh, more closely aligned to exactly what they wanted to see, rather than a, something more generalized like uh, 
like Kubernetes. Yeah, it's a scale thing, right? They're big enough to be to have use for a build-to-measure solution. Very much so. Okay, that kind of covers day one. And if you, if our listeners are wondering why I'm letting Dave talk that much, it's just because I'm trying to spare my voice a bit, try to get to the end of the podcast without dying. So day two, um, my first uh, session was a very good session. We talked about this on our um, recap uh, episode last week already. The ML Leap uh, people about uh, uh, offering an alternative to PMML to put your machine learning models onto a uh, very fast and easy to deploy web uh, API. That was just brilliant. But again, go back to the previous episode if you want more details. And we'll probably be covering them in more detail in the future, I hope. But that was a very good session. If you haven't, if you weren't there, definitely. If you haven't heard it and you're doing something with machine learning and you have the problem of getting the machine learning models into production once the whole scoring has been figured out, look up this session and uh, watch it. It's really worth your time. Great. So the, uh, the next two sessions that I was going to mention, um, scaling out to 10 clusters, a thousand users and ten thousand flows. The Dali experience uh, within LinkedIn. Uh, again, another session by Carl Steinbach, LinkedIn. Um, yeah, just great session. Um, you know, there was there was a little bit of repetition from his previous session, uh, and that was largely due to the fact that you know not everybody will know where they came from and you know the kind of scale they you know, from and to and their their key applications. So a little bit of crossover, as some people may have attended one and not the other. Um, so you can probably skip the first couple of minutes if you're watching it on YouTube and you've watch, already seen the other one. Uh, but yeah, great session, um, great understanding about what they're doing. And again, you know, if you're at that sort of scale, these are the sessions you should really kind of focus on. Uh, on a similar vein, the next session was a Hadoop Platform at Yahoo, a year in review uh, by Samit Singh from Yahoo. Um, another session that I, I really enjoyed, so Samit, as again, I think we mentioned on our day two retrospective, um, he presented you know a short piece during the the keynote, a five or ten minute session, and this was kind of a actually it might be ten or fifteen minute session. This was a kind of a you know a forty minute deeper dive onto the, their overall story, and it was just you know I really enjoyed it. They had uh, there were some again some great questions from the audience during this session. Um, uh, yeah, it was it was really really enjoyable. Some of the things that we were able to do, you know, um, consolidating you know ten thousand nodes of HDP into about two thousand or so nodes um, due to newer hardware and uh, things they're doing on deep learning with um, GPU enabled nodes and very high memory nodes and mix and match and all this kind of good stuff. Great session. Really enjoyed it. Uh, thoroughly recommend it. Yeah, I remember uh, during the keynote after the, the, the person did his 10-minute uh, spiel, we both kind of dived into the agenda. When is this guy talking again? And you found it first, so I couldn't go. <laughs> Afraid so. Locked you out there. You snooze, you lose. I wasn't snoozing. I just wasn't as fast as you was, which is bad. Anyway, my next session was Apache Hive 2.0 SQL Speedscale uh, by Alan Gates, uh, who works at Hortonworks. I talked about this one in the previous episode as well, so I'm not going to much depth in it. Again, a lot of uh, good information there. Pretty much all of it was still in deep alpha, so don't expect this to be out as a product very soon. But if you want to know where this is heading, definitely give it a uh, watch it, watch a replay. 
a lot of information there and actually hooks in a bit to the uh, Yahoo talk about the R, um, uh, HBase uh, asset stuff and all that. Again, good talker, good information there. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think you're looking at basically, I mean, the code is obviously continuing to go upstream at the moment. It's being tested, you know, at some fairly serious scale with a couple of organizations. But realistically, for the majority of people that are looking at this, kind of, you might start to start to think about using it maybe end of 2016, uh, early early 2017. Is, is By that time, I, I believe that should be, uh, more fully baked but probably not until then it's probably a good time to just uh, watch from the sidelines until that's uh, fully released yeah definitely but for future planning it's good to know where it's heading and what yeah. what kind of things are going to be deprecated what's going to disappear because there were a couple of things in there that will not be supported anymore in hive 2.0 so yeah yeah um so next session um i covered which i i did actually cover on the uh, the, the daily session was uh, Telematics with Hadoop and NiFi, so Adam Morton from Admiral Insurance and uh, Simon Alliston Ball from Hortonworks. Uh, yeah, I def- definitely recommend it if you're looking at uh, IoT and, and streaming style uh, use cases. Um, they had, you know, while they, they specifically were talking about Telematics, um, you know, the, the whole IoT type uh, flow would very much fit into you know, whatever IoT style uh, use case you might have. So. Don't uh, don't rule it out just because it's insurance. Okay, and then my last session for the second day was Apache Eagle. I talked about this in the previous uh, episode as well. I've done some extra searching since then, but I'm still kind of confused about it, so I'm not sure what to think about it. I did actually have a query come in from a, a customer about Eagle, uh, and it was it was a little bit a uh, little bit confused because it was. Uh, Mentioned Falcon and Eagle and Atlas all in the same email, and and so I was. Did you actually mean Eagle or did you mean Falcon or quite quite what's going on? So, it it, it you know as as the uh, as the zoo continues to get more and more crowded, it's going to get more and more interesting to try and work out exactly uh, what people are talking about. In this particular case, though, they did mean Eagle. They wanted to know how uh, how that would fit into the, the story and what uh, some of the roadmap things were for things like Atlas and Ranger and. Um, and Falcon to actually meet some of the things that are done in Eagle. So, yeah. Yeah, we also had a comment on the blog post for the last episode uh, about Apache Eagle. But basically, from my point of view, it's not ready yet. It's too fluffy. It's 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 not a finished, crystallized idea yet. They, they need to work further on it. Yeah. So, well, we'll see what happens in the future. Yeah. And, you know, there's still a few uh, a few sessions that I haven't caught up with yet. And plan to uh, over the next uh, week or two. Um, so I'm going to be hitting that YouTube channel and uh, making sure that I uh, attend virtually all those interesting sessions. You will but not be alone. Indeed. Hopefully not. Hopefully uh, the uh, link in the show notes should drive a lot of additional people towards us. All right. So I think that is pretty much all we have for the main section. Anything else you want to talk about generally with the Hadoop Summit? Um, nope. I think we've spent uh, a lot of time on it. So let's move on. Indeed. Moving on. Moving on. Next session, questions from the audience. See you after the break.
As usual, in the last section of the podcast, we answer questions we receive from you, our listeners. If you have a question you would like us to answer on the podcast, please do send us an email at podcast at rollingelephant.org or use our Hadoopcast Twitter handle or go to the website www.roaringelephant.org where you can find our uh, contact form and more information about the podcast. So, Dave, you got the first question, I think. I do indeed. So we had a, a great question come in from uh, Renee about... Uh, the fact that we we often talk about you know fairly large organisations using Hadoop, but is there also a space for small businesses uh, to use Hadoop? Um, we absolutely think there is, and it was such a good question that we're not actually going to answer it here. We're going to actually cover this as a full uh, episode in the future. So thanks for the question. Um, it'll be covered in a future episode. Uh, and also, uh, Renee's feedback has helped us to tweak the feedback form so it's easier for you to use. So if you uh, ever got to it before and were a bit confused about it, um, be confused no more. Um, so go to www.roaringelephant.org, uh, look for the contact form link, go to there and give us your questions. Yeah, I'm taking that one on me. I'm doing the technical part of the podcast and I totally didn't see that the layout had changed and it all got screwed up. Never mind, these things happen. So, another question uh, that we got, and this was kind of more of a face-to-face question that we had during the Hadoop Summit as we were wandering around in our um, bright yellow jerseys with the Roaring Elephant logos on them. Uh, and that was, is this a, is this a, a you know, vendor-specific podcast? You know, is this a, a Holtonworks or a Cloudera or um, whatever? Uh, and it's not. So, you know, yes, we both happen to be uh, employed by um, vendors in the big data community, uh, but or ecosystem, but this is actually uh, something separate from our day jobs. It's something that we uh, primarily do in our own time, although uh, our employers uh, kindly uh, grant us some uh, some work time to occasionally sneak in uh, to do a few bits and pieces. Uh, but this is a community podcast. We uh, we're we're not uh, we're not paid by anybody to do this, and uh, we're doing this for the love of big data. And uh, we hope you enjoy it as such. Yeah, we basically started this to make uh, ourselves smarter, right? By doing this, we have to dig into things we might not uh, meet in our business life. And uh, this rounds us out as a better person. Indeed. I also (laughs) actually think that uh, at least one of the reasons I started this is so I can kind of direct people that are new to Hadoop to, to something that they can maybe consume in an easier fashion. We are, at least at the moment, um, the only uh, Hadoop uh, focused podcast out there that's uh, that's live. There was a previous one, but it uh, it uh, died off quite uh, quite some time ago. So you know it, there was a a space in the market, as they say, that we thought we could fill, and we're not capitalising on it. How very open source of us, indeed. It's all about <laughs> collaboration. So next question on your side, Jon. Uh, yes, also a question. Uh, since we're talking about uh, uh, the podcast itself now, uh, a question I had when we walked around at uh, Hadoop Summit. Uh, people just wanted to know how we do the podcast, what kind of equipment we were using. And considering that I spent the last month or so reorganizing my recording setup, I thought it was a good idea to just give an answer here. And uh, the reason I'm reorganizing everything is because at the moment, uh, my current employer, Hortonworks, is allowing me to use the MacBook Pro I'm using for the business to record and uh, edit the podcast. But since I'm going to a new uh, employer next month, I will no longer have a MacBook Pro, so I needed to find something else. And I spent about a month trying to figure out how you can actually do sound recording for a podcast 
without spending a lot of money on a lot of equipment. As long as you're doing just uh, two-way Skype communication, because most of our podcast interviews, and uh, even when me and Dave are doing a podcast, we're all doing this over Skype, because Skype gives you good uh, audio quality and it's easy to use, basically. But the moment you have more than two people on a Skype call, you can't edit it easily anymore, because when a dog barks, you can't split it off from the other channels, because it's only two channels, even if you have four or five people on there. Usually how people solve this in the broadcasting industry is by having a lot of expensive equipment. You have no idea to have multi-channels, multiple PCs. Every PC runs a uh, solo conversation. And then everything goes to a mixer panel, and that's how you do it, which works very well, but again, it's way too expensive what we are trying to do. This is on our own budget, by the way. <laughs> Don't forget. So... I've been looking at a lot of things to move the uh, podcast recording from a Mac environment to a PC, Windows environment. And basically the Windows or audio equipment, the audio drivers, don't allow aggregate audio devices. There's stuff called uh, ACO for all and you have uh, the virtual cable things. And they all go a little bit of the way, but none of them actually make it work the way I want it to work. So in the end, I went back to Mac, and I've got a Mac Mini now, which runs the podcast software. Uh, one, if people are trying to do the same thing, I have a couple of links going to put in the show notes about about the Skype Saurus and the Skype Osaurus. The first one is the original one, which uh, used quite a bit of expensive uh, equipment, and the second one is the uh, Mac Audio Driver aggregate device solution to do with just one Mac, one PC, one Mac PC. Sorry and keep it uh, centralized like that. And that's what we are doing here. And uh, that's pretty much how we do it, apart from having a couple of microphones and a couple of uh, headsets, I guess. Yeah, pretty much. Um, we also have a, a completely, uh, slightly different set of, of roaming equipment uh, that we use that you heard the uh, um, during event uh, kind of intro pieces that we used on our previous two episodes. Um, and a, a separate a separate setup that we can use when we're recording um, a, a podcast remotely as well. Yeah, difference being, of course, if we're doing this remote over Skype, we need the, the different Skypes running. If we're local, we just have a central Zoom H6 with a couple of mics attached to it, and we just do a multi-track recording right there, and then move the audio files over to uh, my door digital audio, audio workstation, which, by the way, is uh, Logic Pro at the moment. Where you can bounce... Where I can bouncy, bouncy, bounce. Uh, that's one of the fun things about doing this podcast. I'm learning a lot of things about audio equipment and the terminology involved, and sometimes it's just funny. <laughs> Even funnier than open source uh, big data project names? Um, yeah, you'd be surprised. Fair enough. <laughs> All right, anything else? Uh, nope, I think that's depth enough. If uh, people really want to know more about this, we can do a whole podcast episode on that, but uh, we'll see if there's more questions coming up for this. Yeah, sounds good. All right. Well, in that case, that's about all we've got time for today. Hope you enjoyed this serving of bite-sized big data. We'll be back in two weeks' time with a new, brand new episode. But until then, please go to www.roaringelephant.org where you can find more information about us and the podcast. Uh, send us your questions because uh, we love listener questions. And also, please give us a five-star review on iTunes. Uh, really helps us to discover... Um, new people or new people to discover our podcast more importantly and to broaden our audience um, if you don't think we deserve the full five stars there yeah, that's that's okay um, but in that case please give us uh, some feedback uh, via the contact form on our website 
or drop us an email to podcast at roaringelephant.org with your thoughts, comments, criticisms, what you'd like to hear, hear more of or hear less of. Um, so with that, my name is Dave. And my name is Jon. And we look forward to talking to you in two weeks' time. Take care. In better health, I hope. Take care. Bye-bye.